Hi, and you're listening to Java with Jen with your host, Jenilee Samuel. All right, you guys, thanks so much for joining me at Java with Jen. I have a guest on today's show who I'm super thrilled to have, and I re-encountered her just recently, and I had been looking for someone who is of the therapist psychologist world to have on the show because you guys have sent me questions that I felt like I needed an expert in that conversation. And so when the Lord reconnected us, I was super pumped. And so Annabelle, thank you so much for being on the show with me today. Thank you so much, Denali, and uh, thank you so much for having me on the show. It's uh, definitely a God connection or God reconnection to uh, get to see you again and, and start talking about this uh, very important and near and dear to my heart topic about women's health and women's well-being. Um, so I wanted to just give a brief uh, just intro to myself. Uh, I am a native Houstonian. <laughs> I uh, grew up in Houston, I uh, got to go to the University of Houston, got my undergraduate in psychology, not really realizing what can you do with a bachelor's in psychology. Um, and so, yeah, most times like you start going to school, you're like, what am I gonna do with this? Um, and so I remember praying right around graduation time. I was, it was after church on a Sunday and I was like really praying like, God, you know, what am I supposed to do at this point? Like, I didn't realize that you can't do much with a bachelor's degree. And I remember him very distinctly telling me like, you're supposed to be the bridge for my people. You're supposed to help the people that are here, that are saved, that love me, that are serving me, kind of like bridge that gap for where they're at to where I want them to be with their mental health. And I was like, mind blown, like really? And so of course, add on a couple more years of school, I went to Our Lady of the Lake University and I got my master's in psychology and marriage and family therapy and got to serve uh, our community in Houston, um, working in the nonprofit sector did that from something like 2012 to the pandemic okay. <laughs> and yeah and then i launched my private practice in the middle of the pandemic and that was super exciting and a, a super leap of faith but god has been so faithful and taking care of you know all the small things that i never thought about that would require being in practice but it's been amazing it's been such a blessing and i can totally see god's hand on it and I'm really grateful to um, be able to help more people and just, you know, expand on the things that he has taught me and the things that I've learned being in the field. That's so awesome. I love it. Okay. So you guys for today's topic. Oh, actually, so you guys know me and Annabelle met each other and oh gosh, I don't even know how many years ago it was. Um, her husband, were you one of the pastors too, or is it just your husband? Yeah. Yeah. You we were both there. Okay. Um, and so Annabelle and her husband were both pastors at a church that a friend of mine who I went to Bible college with, and she's my accountability partner. She was um, one of the, one of the lead pastors on the team and she had a leadership academy that she had started and that uh, Annabelle and her husband also were a part of and were, I think you guys were helping lead it. Right. Um, yeah, we would teach so, from time to time. <laughs> yeah, you guys would teach as well. And so uh, they had me come and speak on honoring your leaders or something along those lines. I think I came and spoke twice and um, I had a great time, but that's how I met Annabelle and her husband, but we didn't stay in touch. And then here recently, my friend Jackie, who's also been on the show, um, came and visited and we got to hang out and we they spontaneously invited me to dinner and Annabelle and her husband and another sweet couple from the church were there. And so that's how we all got reconnected. 
So it was very much a, a God reconnection, like you said. Yes, so, yes. Um, so today's topic, y'all, is self-love. Now, in the month of February, we were focusing on the episodes um, on things that are love and relationship oriented. We had some fun topics on, you know, seven things that your husband loves to hear from you or just different fun topics. And so and we talked about kids and then we talked about teenagers. So if you guys missed any of the previous February episodes, go catch up on them. They were really fun content. Um, and so I wanted to wrap and in, leading into March, I wanted to go into self-love because you also have a relationship with yourself and that's actually the foundation of your all your relationships and so it's very important um, but right now it's super trendy to talk about self-love and self-care and I know that most of that is born out of a a good wholesome pursuit but just like Ecclesiastes says the man of God will avoid all extremes and anytime we take any concept to an extreme it can then become unhealthy and we, we see some of that in our culture. All the TikToks are like self-love and self-care and I deserve this. So I'm going to go buy me a Louis Vuitton purse because I deserve it. And it becomes very um, self-oriented, narcissistic, I would even say in some ways. And so as a believer, I think it's actually an important concept to have a healthy relationship with yourself. And so I want to dig into how to strike that balance where we as believers who've been asked to die to ourselves and take up our cross and follow him and lay down our life for our brother can still walk in a healthy place of self-love and self-care. So how would you, Annabelle, maybe even address that dichotomy of those two extremes? Yes. Oh, and you did, you know, you, you pointed out like it living in the extremes, neither end is ever healthy. If we are so selfless and, you know, we don't love ourselves well, then how can we love others well? Because it begins, you know, with the relationship we have with God and the relationship that we have with ourselves. And so understanding that, like, I have to love myself. I should love myself. God wants me to love myself. That's the, the, the happy medium, the happy place that we need to be at. Because the other extreme would be, you know, loving myself above others, disregarding others, possibly even sinning and, and not no longer depending on God for my uh, sustenance. Well, that's not healthy either. And so I think a good way of balancing it is always bringing it back to God's word. And of course, maintaining a relationship with God, staying close with him. You know, our prayer life is super important. That is what is going to keep us from falling into sin or falling into that trap of, you know, loving myself too much or being entitled and, you know, getting to the point where we disregard God and others. Uh, and so I think, you know, staying close to God is going to help us to stay accountable mm -hmm. uh, as well as also, I think if we question what am I trying to do with this self-love? Am I trying to love myself well? Like, what is my intention? Uh, a lot of times I've seen people that in their pursuit for self-love, they really are masking uh, some childhood wounds. They are masking some unmet needs. And in doing so, then they don't ever really address it. They don't ever really give it to God to bring that full healing in. And so they're constantly just going to the next thing that's going to make them feel good. And so we have to return to God's truth and live by that. Yeah, that's really good. I like that you commented on how sometimes it's a mask for needs that are going unmet because I know personally for myself, I, I walked through a season of a very, 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 very toxic relationship that really was abusive. 
Um, and I found myself almost, I think it was a subconscious, um, a subconscious journey of where I started walking to become, I started becoming more and more self-preserving where it was like, I was giving of myself less. I was kind of putting up walls. If anyone tried to make a demand of me and I, the only way I could describe it was that it was because I had less reserves on the inside because I was constantly mm -hmm. trying to repair myself from the abuses I was enduring. And so I found myself um, being attracted to that idea of self-care and self-love because I think subconsciously I knew I needed some care, um, but it was almost like it got twisted on that platform of my pain where it became very self-serving. And I noticed an egotistical kind of narcissistic type of tendency growing in me. And I was like, but I don't, I don't like this. That's not who I want to be. But, and so it was like subconsciously my body's trying to move towards health, but I found it moving probably to the wrong extreme and the pendulum had to kind of balance itself back out as I got healthier and I did pursue health and healing. So like speak to that. How do people know when self-love is coming from a healthy place or self-love is coming from a wounded place? Yeah, I think it's definitely brings it back to what is this giving me? What is this doing for me? Um, there's a lot of times that people don't have that level of self-awareness. And so that's when I think therapy can be very beneficial to people because it's in a safe place. It's confidential. It's private. And there's not all of these biases. This is somebody that doesn't know you. This is not someone from your church, uh, especially if you find someone that is a Christian counselor. Like it's someone who's a believer, but they don't know the context of your life. And so they can give you some unbiased feedback and help raise your awareness of like, okay, what do you, what's really going on here? What are you really doing? And so uh, I think even just practicing uh, that self-awareness of just like, what is this doing for me is a really good starting point uh, to maybe uncover some of that. Uh, and some of the deeper stuff may not be uncovered, you know, in a conversation. I know that there's lots of different ministries and uh, you know, deliverance kinds of services or, um, you know, small groups that walk people through uh, healing from past hurts. And all of those can be also very beneficial because it raises the awareness. Um, but again, just like in all things, uh, if, if you get to a point where you feel like you're just hitting a brick wall, or you're not really getting the answers, you know, bringing in that um, unbiased person, that therapist that, you know, they went to school for this, they might be able to walk you through this. And especially if you're concerned, making sure that it's someone that aligns with your biblical values. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And I think talking about like self-awareness is as we, as we, as we take time to realize like, Hey, I need self-love. I need to care for myself. Self-awareness is huge. And, and mm -hmm. I don't know that I'm familiar with that topic because I study neuroscience. I was a psych major too. And so all these, I, I just love all of that. I feel like it's so, so, uh, underrated actually, but I feel like it's so, so important that we're very aware of where our behavior is coming from. Um, and I think, in that awareness, if you like to the listeners, if you recognize like, hey, why do I feel such a craving for self-love and self-care? Ask yourself, like, am I healthy? Like, am I, is there broken places or are there places I'm needing to repair and recover? And that should not come with a voice of shame or don't judge that mm -hmm. personally, because it's kind of like, you know, if you have soldiers on the battlefield and they get wounded, we don't just throw a bandaid on them 
and throw them back out in the battle. We take them off the field, we repair them, we recover them. Sometimes we send them home if they can't go back to battle so they can recover for a while. And then we send them back. So depending on the intensity of the wound also depends on how long that healing process takes. And sometimes it does require that you step aside and nurture longer or deeper than other times. And so um, are there any red flags or like, indicators that are easy to spot where someone might be able to use that self-awareness assessment like how do I know if I have all kinds of wounds or not like what are some indicators you can tell them to look for yeah so I think some of the indicators to kind of like let us know hey I'm running low or I'm running on empty it's just like our car we have all the little lights that light up and tell us hey you need to change your oil you need to add gas you're tires are low. Well, we have those too, but they look a little different. Uh, sometimes they'll look like, you know, kind of going through these episodes of feeling depressed, feeling unfulfilled, feeling empty or fatigued. Uh, sometimes we might find ourselves like crying a lot and for no apparent reason, we just feel like crying. Mm -hmm. Irritability is a big one, especially with moms. We find that our patience is really, really low and we're like, what's going on? I know my children are not absolute monsters. Mm -hmm. So that must be, you know, me, my threshold is lower than what it normally is. Um, all of those are signs of, hey, I'm, I'm depleted and I need to refuel myself. Um, I think another red flag is, um, and I don't think we see this one a lot, but you mentioned it actually, I was not wanting to be there for others, mm. kind of having this, like, I have nothing left to give, or I don't want to give because I need this for myself. Yeah. Um, and so kind of like recognizing that that is what it will present. Like, it's not going to be like a light on your dash. It's going to be more internal, but if we never spend time with ourselves, if every waking moment is spent doing for other people and doing all of these things, and we don't have quiet time, then we won't be aware of this. And so even when we think about our prayer life, like that is crucial. We need that. That is our lifelong, uh, our lifeline with God. And if we are not spending that time, then there's not that opportunity for that self-reflection for, you know, giving God that opportunity to search our heart and to point out any area that needs help. And that's what prayer time is for. And I think sometimes we think, well, I am a doer. I'm all about helping other people, but you can't help if your cup is empty. Right. It's just like your friend's calling you for a ride and you didn't put gas in your car. Uh huh. Yeah, that's so true. I think one thing that also helps me identify and kind of become self-aware is kind of is social, like social cues. Like if I would mm -hmm. see someone who like people were energized and excited to serve at church, for example. But on the inside, I was like, please God, don't let anybody ask me to do anything. I am, I don't mm -hmm. have anything to give. And I kind of had like an anxiety around being asked to do something. I was like, hold up, something's, something's a little on <laughs> depleted here, you know? And yeah. so things like that, the irritability with the kids, that was a big one for me. But, but recognizing like sometimes if I was around a mom who was really patient and kind, and in my head, I'm like, oh, I would have already ripped my kid's head off by now. Hmm. Maybe yeah, I have a this, problem. <laughs> yeah. Checking in with that inner dialogue and it runs so automatically. We don't even realize it's happening. And so uh, one of my favorite quotes in the Bible is actually Romans 12, 2, when Paul encourages us not to conform to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of our minds. Mm -hmm. He's talking about our thoughts, the, the, the 80,000 something plus thoughts that we have a day is going to, you know, shape how we experience life. If I'm having a good thought, I might have a bad situation, but I'm going to be still able to manage and deal with that. But if I'm already walking through my day with a negative mindset and then something happens, mm -hmm. I don't handle it 
probably well or at all. It's kind of like when you're in a rush and your jacket gets caught on the door. Yeah, we we always say like that never happens when I'm in a bad mood or in a good mood. Uh Rather, it probably does. You just don't, it doesn't even cross your mind. But when you're in a bad mindset, like you notice everything that goes wrong. That's true. That's very- Our mindset is so important. This is so true. Okay, so how can we on the flip side, because as a pastor, I'm a pastor, but I know a lot of people listening serve at church or are leaders in some capacity, even even just as moms. But um, I also, when I was in that relationship that was unhealthy, my biggest struggle was knowing how to draw boundaries and what that was supposed mm-hmm. to look like. Because on the one hand, I'd be like, I don't want to put up with your crap anymore. Like you're literally mm-hmm. making me feel like the most small human possible. And so I naturally wanted to create space or turn that volume down. But I would also have the scripture running through my head of like, die to yourself and lay down your life. And, you know, a brother's love lays down their life for one another, you know, and so I'd have like these religious but true mantras running Mm -hmm. through my head that really distorted my awareness of where to draw a line and what was healthy and what was not healthy. How do you speak to that? You have, and I think you just said it, like you were talking about laying down the life and dying to oneself. But at some point you have to ask yourself, am I even living? Mm-hmm. Am I even alive to even give my life down? And and so like, if you get to that point where there is no more, you, you there is nothing else to give. Are you really living? Is there a life there available to lay down in the first place? And if not, then you've got to, you've got to scale back. And I know boundaries is a very touchy issue in general, because growing up, we're not taught boundaries. Right. Our parents tell us what to do, what to wear, depending on the generation you grew up in and the kind of parenting style that you were given, you know, you may not have had a say in anything until you turned 18 and, you know, bailed out of your house. Yeah. Um, and so it's like, it's not something that was taught. And I think that, you know, at least I'd like to think that I'm trying to be more mindful of that as a parent and make sure that my kids know that they do have a safe. If they don't want to be tickled, hands off. I'm not going to tickle them because I'm teaching her and him that their body is their boundary. They get to set that. Yeah. And that includes me. And, and that's not something that we grew up with. And so of course, we're going to naturally struggle a little bit more with it because it was not something uh, that was natural for us to learn. But it's important to have them because that's going to benefit our emotional well-being and therefore by refill this cup so we can give back. If this cup has a leak in it, that doesn't have a boundary. There's never ever going to be a reserve or a surplus for me to give to anyone else. And again, you know, when they talk about your cup runneth over, it's a beautiful illustration. But if I have a hole in my cup, it's never going to run over. It's just going to flow right through. And, uh, you know, and, and, and I want us to be healthy. Like in order for us to, you know, love people well and to serve God well and to serve, you know, our brothers and sisters well, we need to be in a healthy place because if not, what are we really giving? Yeah, that's so good. That's so good. You know, I um, oftentimes when I'm not sure what to do, I look at the example that Jesus set and while his thought processes 
aren't always real explicit. You know, he was kind of a man of few words, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, but at the same time, you can still see like there was a healthiness about him and he constantly had people pulling on him, but yet I don't ever see him operating in a way that looked like it was out of survival. Um, and you do see him struggle with the laying down of his life in the garden when he was crying over it, you know, he was, he was scared and, but he made a decision. And, um, and so I remember asking the Lord, like, what's the line between giving of my life and then having a boundary to protect my heart? Because Proverbs also says, guard your heart above all else because it's the wellspring of life. And, uh, and the Lord actually brought me to a scripture in the new Testament. I wish I remembered where it was, um, where Jesus said, I lay down my life of my own accord and I also take it back up again. Mm -hmm. He said, this is a command I have received from the father. I give my life and I take it back up. And so when I read that, it was like a light bulb for me, like, holy crap, I have a right to say when too much is too much and I can pick my life back up. And, and I think, you know, since God loves um, a cheerful giver, when we lay our lives down, it should be out of that place of cheerful generosity to give up ourselves, not of an obligated sacrifice. Resentful. Yeah. 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 No. And, and, and I think another example that Jesus gives us in terms of self-care, you know, well, God gives us two examples. One is that self-care or rest is a mandate. He asks us to observe the Sabbath. That's one. The other one was Jesus often got away from the crowd. Yes. You know, he knew when it was too much and he would pull away. He would go to his quiet time with his father and, you know, would, would get away from the crowds. A lot of times he would, you know, get on a boat and just, you know, literally like, it's like peace. He'd start ghosting people and like go to, you know, cross the sea of Galilee somewhere else. Um, And that was, I think his way of setting boundaries of like, Hey, my time of serving this community is done and now I'm going to go and serve these other people or I'm going to give myself this time of rest to refresh myself. He understood the importance of self-care. It may not be in those terms, right. but he understood the, 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 necess- the necessity of resting and refilling. Yes, yes, that's so good. But we, we tend to overlook it. And, we, yes. and, and honestly, if I can be really honest, I think sometimes we try to outdo, um, I don't want to say we want, want to outdo God, but like we want to outserve and outdo because either we are, again, question, we have to question the our intention. Am I trying to overdo because I'm lacking something? Am I trying to prove myself to my pastors or to this community that I'm serving or um, to my listenership, whatever the case might be? Like, am I trying to overdo it so that they don't see this other part of me? Or am I trying to overdo it out of this lack that I have? Like questioning our intention is super important because it's going to lead us to some maybe more questions, but hopefully those questions that as you continue to unfold and they can, you can find some healing in that area, because if not, you're going to continue to, you know, trying to serve and trying to do out of a wound instead of out of wholeness. Yeah. yeah. And I love that the, the human heart subconsciously, I don't know, was it you that said this or somewhere else that I read this, maybe it was a book I read where they said that you're, you're constantly, your biology, your subconscious, your biology, every part of you is built to move you towards health. And so even when that, when you have triggers, like even triggers are an indicator that your body is trying to move you towards health because you're maxed out in that area and you've got to heal that trigger place, you know, and get a new context around it, but it's still a sign that you've got to move in a different direction. And so, um, what I love is that if you had, I had a really amazing thought that went with this and I'm trying to find it again. Um, 
for women who are unsure when a boundary is necessary, because that's a question I get a whole mm-hmm. lot when, you know, as pastors, we counsel people through relationship issues all the time. And most times I'll say, okay, the reason you feel anxiety when that person comes around, or you feel anxiety when that person calls, or you feel anxiety around this is because a boundary is needed. And so mm-hmm. like for a lot of, for you listeners, if you're like, how do I know when I need self-care? is when you feel those red flags go up, like your kids are knocking at the door and everything in you wants to just go hide. Okay, you need to take a pause. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And you need to teach your kids that a boundary is me. Like, hey, when mommy's gonna go away, it's not, you know, the end of the world. Like mommy, and I honestly, like I don't wanna get too far away from the topic, but I think a lot of this is systemic. Mm. You know, not to say that as parents, we create these dilemmas, but anxiety is modeled as well. And so sometimes if we're struggling with anxiety, we teach our children that. And then any moment we're gone, they're like, oh my God, they're freaking out. What's going on? And they go looking for you and you never get a moment's peace. And so it's important to also zoom out and, and, and realize like, it's not just about us. Yeah. It's also about, you know, the inheritance that I'm giving my children. Uh, they, you know, and again, it might be a little cliche saying, but like self-care is the most selfless thing you can do. It's true because now I have something to give my family. Yeah, this is true. And I, and I think sometimes we're raised as martyrs um, and it could be socially, it could be culturally. Uh, I'm of Hispanic descent. So we are definitely 100% wired to be martyrs and we're never taught to think about, you know, what do I need? It's always about what does everybody else in my family need? Uh, I grew up in a household that like historically women sat last. Yeah. Our moms would, you know, they would eat their food cold after everybody else had eaten. And if there was anything left. Wow. And so I'm not going to do that. First of all, I like to eat my food hot, but I recognize that I love myself enough to no, no, no. And you know what? And I, sometimes I'll do this. I will feed myself first before I actually sit down and feed my kids. You want to know why? One, I know how I get when I'm hangry. <laughs> so I want to give them out of a full cup uh-huh. Two. I know they're going to sit there and tell me it's too hot anyway and just annoy me while I'm trying to eat my food. Yeah. (laughs) And three, they're probably going to complain and not want to eat it anyway. (laughs) Right. You might as well enjoy your food. (laughs) Exactly. Amen to that. But, you know, I've realized that like, you know, I saw that example. I saw that and I love my mom's sacrifice and I love, you know, all the women that came before me. Like I I honor them, but I also realized that, you know, maybe historically back then that was okay, or I'm not going to judge that because that's not for me to judge. I wasn't there, but I know for me and my family and me and my, you know, well-being, that's not going to work for me. Yeah. You know, I want to raise healthy children, but that means that they have to have a healthy model. Yeah. It's true. It's so true. So I love this. So I feel like we've already covered quite a lot. And so I want to get us into life hacks, but just in summary, the difference that to contrast the difference between self-love and we didn't even actually hit on the greatest commandment, which is love the Lord, you got with all your heart, love your neighbor as you love yourself. And so did you have any last thoughts around that? Oh my gosh. Yes. So this is like my favorite part of, you know, this topic is you cannot love others well if you cannot love yourself well. And you give out of that wellspring. You know, there's a scripture behind that too, that out of the heart, you know, it, it is the wellspring of, of, of whatever comes out of that is whatever's going to pour out. And so if you are not loving yourself well, you cannot give that to other people. Uh, it prevents you from having healthy relationships. 
and so definitely, you know, we need to be mindful of that. And, and, you know, I think just always kind of like bringing it back to prayer, letting God examine your heart, letting the Holy Spirit convict you if you're, you know, veering out of God's will in terms of loving yourself, but it's not an inherently ugly thing. And I think we need to come back to, you know, how, you know, how does God view me? Uh, his word says that, you know, we are fearfully and wonderfully made. Psalm 139 is one of my favorite ones. How we talk to ourselves is a sign of how we view ourselves. And the beautiful thing about self-love is that there will be an overflow into other relationships when we appreciate and love ourselves well. Yeah. So this morning, as my son, my son had a little bit of a difficult getting off to school. And he was telling me about how some of his classmates call him annoying. And so I was kind of working through like, oh, it's always those conversations are hard because it's, there's a balance, you know, it's like, okay, yeah. are you being annoying? <laughs> you know, like yeah. social skills are still developing at this age uh, or forever, really, but also not programming him to think that just because someone expresses displeasure that he needs to change who he is or how he's doing things. And so I, we kind of talked about it a little bit, but at the end, I looked at him and I said, listen, I said, you're not annoying. I said, it's possible. Maybe some of your behaviors could make them feel annoyed. And so if that's yeah. the case, it's good to learn. And I said, but repeat after me. And so we went through some like self-love mantras, like I'm amazing. My mom loves me. God loves me. Dad loves me. My brother's, you know, little self mantra. So what would you say are some important mantras that we as moms can tell ourselves to remind ourselves a that I need to have, I need to have a kind, gentle view of myself and then just to bring ourselves back into balance. Oh, definitely. Um, the one that I repeat a lot to myself is I'm enough. You know, I'm enough for these children that God gave me. I'm enough for the husband that he gave me. He would not have given them to me if, you know, I wasn't right for them. And, and God doesn't make mistakes. And so the situations that I have, you know, from time to time may not be the ideal ones, but I am the right person for this family. And I have what it takes. And the best version of me can best address my family's needs. But I am enough. Yeah. I was enough to die for on the cross over 2000 years ago, and I'm enough to be loved today and I'm enough to love myself. And so I am enough is one of my favorite ones for myself. Um, and then, you know, just, you know, repeating, you know, whatever scripture really stands out to you. Um, I know sometimes uh, Proverbs 31 can be super intimidating for women. Uh, and so, you know, I, I kind of tend to focus on the one, where can one find her hiding in her bathroom? <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> That's awesome. Giving herself some self-care. <laughs> yes. In my bubble bath with some Epsom salt. <laughs> That's so good. Well, thank you so much for diving into this topic. Now you guys don't go anywhere because we have a life hack coming right up and also make sure you are subscribed to the show because Miss Annabelle is going to be on the show next week as well, where we're going to be talking about postpartum and mental health surrounding childbirth, because many of you have asked about this. So we wanted to make sure and hit that. So stay tuned right now. We're going into life hacks and then come back next week for Anna for some more of Annabelle. All right. See you in a second. Okay, so Annabelle, what life hack do you have for us today? Oh my gosh. So for easy and reasonable self-care, I always like to do, so if you're a working mom, taking days off when your kids are off from school. So if you ever struggle with mom guilt, which I do, I try to take days off regularly throughout the year. Um, because again, if it's, if it's spread out throughout the year, 
then you're refilling yourself. And so I enjoy doing fun things with my kids. I really do. I know sometimes they annoy me, but I do enjoy it. And when I can take a day off from my regular day to day to be with them, I feel refilled because we're having fun. And it also kind of gets rid of that mom guilt. If you're a stay at home mom, that might mean, you know, getting, I'm not going to say getting rid of your kids, but getting rid of your kids for a, a day or a few hours and doing things that you enjoy that you sometimes can't necessarily enjoy to the fullest. If you're pushing a baby in a stroller, or if you're, you know, trying to manage snacks for kids, uh, you know, that could be going to a beautiful park you know, going to home goods and looking at all the pillows, you know, don't go into target because you'll spend too much money. Um, but just, you know, things that you enjoy that maybe aren't as enjoyable when you've got tag alongs. Yeah. Because that is you going back to yourself. It could be taking a hobby class or going to Michael's and doing a craft class or something like that. Uh, anything that just is for you that yeah. you enjoy doing that pours back into you, you need a day off too. And we can't wait for somebody to come and rescue us and you know realize how amazing we are and like take us on a you know five-day cruise we've got to be able to spread that out and do that for ourselves yes yes that's so good and i think too to remember you guys in self-care there's two different ways you can give yourself self-care which is something that's restful or something that's refreshing and they actually meet different needs rest means you're literally resting and maybe like not doing anything mentally taxing or emotionally taxing, but you're literally resting, but then doing something your soul actually has a craving for adventure, exploration, discovery, and those things tend to refresh us. And so doing something in either category, whatever your need is, if you're like, I have a craving to go explore, then that you probably need some adventure and some fun. Um, for me, when my kids were really little, it was so hard to get away. My husband was always at church, always doing ministry stuff. And uh, so what I would do is once a month, I would invite a bunch of girlfriends to whoever's of our house was the easiest to get to. And we would do coffee at like eight o'clock at night around when the kids were in bed. So the dads wouldn't give us too much of a fuss about leaving them with the kids. And then so around bedtime, we'd all meet up between eight and nine o'clock and we would have decaf coffee and cookies or whatever. And we would literally just hang out and chat until one or two in the morning. And then we'd all go home. And it was just, it was easy. It was not expensive. It wasn't like dinner out, getting dressed up. We went in our pajamas, you know, it was so nice. Um, but I didn't realize how much that refreshed everyone until I changed churches and we weren't doing it anymore. And everybody commented, they're like, I miss our coffee nights, you know? Mm -hmm. And so that was a great way when my kids are really little to get a little self-care. So yeah, yeah it's great life hack. Absolutely. <laughs> well, those are awesome suggestions as well. I love yours. And thank you so much for speaking to this topic. I know mom guilt is real and ways to get rid of mom guilt are always helpful. So thank you so much for talking to this topic. And I look forward to having you on the show next week. Thank you. All right. Thanks so much for tuning in to today's show. For those of you who've rated or shared this podcast on social media, thank you. Reading your comments and reviews always means so much to me. Listen, let's stay connected. Come follow me on Instagram at Java with Jen, where you can follow the latest and say, Hey, it's a really great way to stay in touch. Many of you have also asked how you can support the show. You can make donations through the Anchor app or on Patreon. Or of course, by sharing, rating, and reviewing on social media and iTunes as well. Your heartfelt feedback always reminds me why I do this. Until next time, remember, you will fulfill your greatest destiny one day at a time. <laughs>